0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of PawCast. Um, We finally got through the center portion of our industry overview. Of course, uh, that's the red section, which is our three biggest problems being culture, talent, and service. Um, So this next video series, uh, which is actually going to span multiple episodes, is focusing on the single-handedly most important thing that can be improved or established within a veterinary practice, uh, which is Core value. Values. So um, in in, a, in, a, in our industry overview, this is actually the top right corner, um, which core values, bridges, culture and talent um, that can actually be fixed sort of in tandem with one another. Um, but hang in there for the next set of video series, because like I said, this is going to be a several multi-part section um, as we just work our way around core values, um, and then of course those other components on the outside. So stay tuned and here we go.
1: welcome to the podcast solution episode number one yeah we've we've laid the we've laid the picture. Out of what this hurricane looks like in the in the dead center, we 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 understand uh, kind of what the eye of the storm looks like here with with all of these pieces in terms of culture, talent, and service, and and where our biggest gaps as an industry as a whole are. Um, and, and again, even you know to jump into that, some of the issues that we deal with internally also because yeah. it's it's a constant fight to beat uh, these problems. Um, but how do we beat problems? We develop solutions and implement them. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Uh, and and so, uh, so solution episode number one here is is we're gonna we're gonna start and, and essentially see where we end up in terms of the explanation uh, and deep dive in, into our core values that we have implemented here at PAW. Yep. Um, and, and I think uh, believe in s- to the point that we would be able to say to any clinic, if you were to take these four and implement them to the level that we have, yeah. you would experience some pretty substantial increases in success. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think <clears throat> one of the things, uh, th- this is kind of an ongoing sort of point of conversation or a question that Ben typically throws at me and, and part of when you were working with us primarily just on the consultation work mm-hmm. was you know we'd, ha- we'd have this huge issues list yeah. and our issues list of course was pulled from the kind of center portion of our industry overview the culture talent service so this huge issues list and what you posed to us then and then of course we still ask ourselves now is which of these are industry problems mm-hmm. and which of these are PAW problems right? like which one is it just it's just you guys in house but which one of these is actually going to be more industry driven and a lot of times the answer was well it's kind of both yeah you know um but it was really more so of a question that came from well where are we actually going to be able to institute change like if from this issue like we're going to create a to-do list for this week the to-do list for this week can't be change the industry like that's not that's not really like a realistic to-do right um but uh but yeah so that's where i think you know, when we look at this industry overview and we start to kind of expand upon that and saying, how do we actually change the day-to-day? How do we change our things internally? Um, It is, you know, like we said, is instituting kind of these four parts Mm -hmm. is this used to be all we had in the section one, page one of our employee reference text. Right. Um, And you'll probably hear as abbreviated, just to make it quick, is, um, you know, you know, you're told, right, as a, as a as a veterinary owner, you know, or owner of a business, is there's some things you just have to have. You have to have a mission statement. You have to have an employee manual. You have to have these things. You have to have these things. You have to have these things. Um, but kind of like you had said before, is you know, part of the reason why we make tools is to unbreak things. Mm-hmm. Well, these things that had been sent to us or told to us, you have to have this. You have to have a mission statement. Well, like you had said before it just becomes like a writing on the wall. It's just like a sign where you're like, oh, here's our mission statement. And then it's like your um, employee manual is, oh, it's just this thing that administration put a ton of work into, and that's just gonna sit on the shelf over there.
1: Yeah, all of these things that are we have found to be very critical are dust collectors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You put, put tons. And even some of our consultation work we've done um, with other businesses, like we've put ton of time and effort into creating these resources for the organization. Mm-hmm. And, it, and and even the work that we put into it for them within their organization, it still ends up collecting dust because they don't understand how culture and core values go together. So, uh, so significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why in this in the the center core values in that section is sort of um you know this sort of four piece loop this four piece circle um is that was the first page of our employee reference text yeah um, you know so for mm-hmm. us our employee reference text we don't call an employee manual is we really actually have um, our employees refer to this whenever they need so if we, okay fine how do you request PTO yeah that's in there that's yep. very kind of core to employee manual but it also has the stuff for onboarding mm-hmm. it also has all the parts for culture it has the tools of the after-action report of the forgiveness model all these different types of things are in I don't know the ERT's got to be up to I don't know the same thing it's probably in this it's 60, 60 some, 60 some, some page, yeah, yeah. I was say 60 70 page thing yeah which like you said before you don't need all the pages all the time but it's something to reference at a later time exactly um, you know so for us to look at then saying these core values, um, this was just page one of the ERT, and it was it still is. It's, by the, the way. Yeah, I was just looking at yeah. that. Yeah, section one, page one. Yeah. But we used to kind of jokingly say that it's the um, section so important that it only has one page. Mm-hmm. Well, now it has fourteen pages. Um, but uh, at that time, you know, when we look at what we had for culture and core values, is it was you know we kind of had our. our th- Three big pieces. We had our vision, um, our purpose, and then our core values. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and for us as an organization, taking that sort of like big picture to like sort of medium sized picture to then a little bit more medium to then getting us down into the small picture day to day. I think that's where when you sort of lack clarity and you lack unity in that process, it's just like. Well, what difference does it make that we have um, employee reviews, peer reviews, annual reviews, whatever you want to call them? Yeah. I mean, why does any of that matter?
1: Well, and that translates into, as an employee, why am I here? What's, sh- what's the point? Yep. I'm just, sur- especially, you know, using the words that we've used multiple times, I'm just surviving. Yeah. This is, and there's no, purpose behind this whole thing um so that's why in the middle of our core values ultimately um they all come down to to serve the patient Mm -hmm. when it when in doubt with any decision making uh that happens within our clinic and within the business as a whole how does this improve how we serve the patient Mm -hmm. we do that through our uh our four items which again it's just a breakdown uh of of you know we 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 are accountable to each other and to the patient. We give trust, we gain trust. We respect each other and we respect caregivers and we create and we maintain unity. Mm -hmm. That's a breakdown of the four most essential pieces Mm -hmm. within serving the patient. Absolutely. That's why we all show up to work every single day. Yep. So within that, what that provides for us is a framework, again, within decision making. This is why core values, in my opinion, are so terribly critical, Um, because if you don't have this to serve as a guide, Mm -hmm. what ends up happening, and I've seen on multiple occasions in multiple different uh, industries is if I don't have this guide in the decision-making process, I, over time, will start to make decisions that exclusively serve myself. Sure which becomes very, very difficult uh, to build a team, to create unity, and and to have ultimately uh, a consistent process throughout, because I'm gonna do this my way and you're gonna do this your way, or whatever it might be. It, it's just, yeah. whatever the decision was, and then you went your way and I went my way, Th- any difference in there uh, just provides the opportunity for completely unnecessary conflict for sure. um, and for processes to become very inefficient over time. Mm. So two th- huge things in our profession. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah,
0: inefficiency of process and unnecessary conflict. Right,
1: right. So that's why when we say, and we're going to take a lot of time to explore these things, it's, yep. it's not because we, it, it uh, really what... The, I think the general impression of these cultural definition items is that they're they're touchy feely, they're they're nice, they they make yeah. us feel good inside, but mm-hmm. the 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 effective implementation of them really doesn't exist because they're just words. Checklist Uh, items. I can't say how many times I heard like those are just words on the wall or within our book, like but they don't like ultimately. uh, The world is too different from these things for me to actually do them. It's like, well, no, you create the world um, that you live in by buffering all of your decisions through these through these Mm. items. And, and uh, it, it it's a constant struggle to do that because you have to always have that filter of decision-making in your head. Yep. Um, and thankfully, you know, we, we've gotten to the point, uh, at least for the most part, that a, a lot of our staff does that. Yep. But again, it's a constant fight. So yeah, looking Especially
0: at- when new people come into the team as well who are mm-hmm. less familiar with that yeah.
1: decision-making guideline or that decision-making process. Yeah, there's a big learning curve in yeah. that because it's so, and again, outside of just the veterinary industry, it's a very uncommon thing to it to have exist as a whole. Sure. Um, you look at uh, some of the most successful businesses. I, I, I that at least the ones that I worked with, they would they all shared the same. Uh, variable that they un- they knew and lived their core values. Yep. Um, everything else was kind of a detail after that. Yeah, ver- Versus I, the core values I, just being some minor detail in the background. Yeah,
0: which no, I I completely agree from that that statement, having seen both sides of core values right yeah. so i mean like i said it was a checklist item I mean we, I, we've i've had it with past employers i've had you know it was instituted prior in our clinic but like you said it's always sort of like a footnote yeah you know it's like oh well this is what it is and you know it's kind of like these like um you know very like you said kind of the touchy-feely stuff where it's just like oh we have this very nice core oh we have this and this is what we're all about and this is who we are and this is what we're doing and it's like yeah oh yeah okay yeah i know we, yeah, we're all here we all have the same job Yep. okay yep sounds great but like wh- who cares right you know but for us it's taking that you know from the vision you know for us the vision is Sort of, uh, you know, to exist, it's kind of being a force of change within the veterinary industry coming right down to the next tier down is our purpose, which is learn, uphold, and teach. Core values, um, <laughs> you know, of paw health, with the sole intent um, of maintaining service to the patient at all times. That's step two for us, right? You know, and then coming into the core values, like you said, the accountable, trust, respect, and unity. Mm-hmm. Um, that bleeds out into everything else, into yeah. performance reviews, into performance growth. To, you know, onboarding Tricor um, is like you said, is it influences every decision that happens in the company you can tell like when we do have conflict, it's like, well, you guys had conflict because there is this, you know, particular chain. Yeah. You know, uh, like that we just had a, a discussion today um, between the interaction of two employees and this plays off as something we'll, t- we'll touch on a little bit later um, about the um, drama triangle or the drama dynamic of mm-hmm. between victims and rescuers and persecutors um, is that, you know, the, the um, you know, this one particular employee said, you know, uh, uh, every time so-and-so comes to me with a problem that is their job to do, I just say, screw it and I just do it forum because it's easier and it's going to affect patient care if it doesn't get done Mm -hmm. and it's like well let's look at it from a core value standpoint is they don't respect you enough to understand that it is inappropriate for you to do their job Um, you know they trust that you're actually going to be able to get it done Mm -hmm. but all the meanwhile you're playing the rescuer to their victimization which ultimately is affecting the
1: unity of our team and by the way we (laughs) can't hold a person that can't do their job accountable because this thing that they didn't do right like we don't know that they didn't do it. You got it done for them, right? And as far as we're
0: concerned, the job got done, but it right. didn't get done by the person who is accountable to that particular task. Right. Which so far in that one little thing was literally every core
1: value. Yeah. And know. and it, and then over time, <laughs> yeah. as you continue yeah. that habit, what does it do? It creates unnecessary conflict <laughs> and inefficient processes. Right. Right. Like that's really what it comes yeah. down to. So yeah. we don't we don't say these things lightly. We don't no. say these the we don't we don't push these items as like paint them your wall um, but really what it comes down to is if you are a, uh, a member of an organization uh, regardless of industry right. especially if you are at an ownership or an administrative management level um, one of my favorite things to do on the consultation side was going to the owner and saying what are your core values sure they'd never know it sure they'd never have it <laughs> sure um, and they never even know where it is yeah like they would scramble for it my challenge to everyone that's listening to this is know them and be, do your damnedest to live them, yeah. because because what you'll find is you'll you'll likely, which is funny because these haven't changed since I've no. first seen them, which is kind of you know you you, you struck the golden chord um, <laughs> three years ago, three years ago, right. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh th- what i had seen with other businesses is they would be a dynamic they would say let's define oh, sure. these let's define these because we really don't know what they are let's let's push it through and then 6 to 9 months later they'd say this one's important but we've got this other thing that you know is more important and, right. and there would there would be some argument of i can only have so many because i really need these to be my decision making buffers mm-hmm. um so, that, so they would be, you know, a little bit variable for, for us, again, having struck a bit of luck as well as uh, uh, putting the effort to implement them as they were written originally. Um, yeah. They haven't changed yeah. in that sense, but uh, it's because they're they're effective we, we, you, you didn't miss yeah. and, and as you as we have yeah. continued to implement them as they as they stand it just yeah. gets more and more effective
0: yeah yeah and a, and a little bit more I think what maybe um, to build upon that is like the the categorically they haven't changed. I think our clarity and what they are has improved. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. for us, it's like to look at that diagram and to see trust, respect, unity, and accountability. That's what it looked like the first time we had it was those four words. And everyone's yeah. like, yeah, what is, okay, yeah. what? What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? You know, so it was like, okay, you have, you know, like with trust, you have to be able to give trust, but you also have to be able to gain it. Right. Um, It's not just you trusting everyone all the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's not free will in it. it's not right. So that's why, as we kind of move around it, that's where we've kind of you know increased this clarity. And you know, some of it is it's been you know a learning curve for both sides. Because to us, it's like, well, obviously, this is what that core value means. But oh, by the way, we have you know leadership meetings like. Every other week, yeah, and we talk about this talk stuff about all the time, them.
1: yeah. So yeah, it's funny too because when we had gone through uh, that performance go- growth process with one of our employees about a year ago, that was one of the first things that I did was, um, what you know, we have these core values. I want you as an employee to define them, yeah, um, because I want to make sure that we're all in alignment with this core purpose that's yep. potentially creating some some performance issues for you, yep. and we, that was that ended up being the entire performance growth plan was was rooted around yeah. getting aligned yeah. and fulfilling uh the requirements of these core values oh, within their performance yeah. um yeah. their 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 job description didn't even come into play, right? It was where are you missing on these key items? Because man, if you can hit these, everything else is gonna fall into place. Yeah. So, um, yep. so yeah,
0: basically, uh, which let- on that is actually part of what our performance view system is. Yes. Like you know, we have um, coming into our growth. Uh, let me see here. <clears throat> Yeah, is that there's kind of we say that there's two jobs in our organization. And mm-hmm. those two jobs on one hand is what your job description is, and the other side is like, you know, essentially your cultural description or your cultural job. Yep. You know, so those are two like equal halves to the circle. Um, and that's then of course bleeding this all out into multiple parts of our process, which again looking at the industry overview, you'll kind of see we start to talk about the performance growth and we start to talk about these other little p- pieces, mm-hmm. they're still so heavily rooted in, what is your job? And a lot of people say, well, I'm a hard worker. So that's what we always get back. I'm a hard worker. I'm a hard worker. I'm a hard worker. And we've lost hard workers, you know, and part of that loss in hard workers is like, well, they're only working hard according to their definition. And their definition is, okay, of my job description, um, I'm performing, you know, uh, I, that's one of my things at performance reviews too. I ask them on their job description how much of your how much of your job description. So here's your one page to two page job description. How much of this job description do you think you're doing well? Mm-hmm. And your hard worker will always answer eighty and above. Yeah. You know. And for us to look at it then administratively and objectively and saying in your job description you're probably doing about forty percent of that very well. Mm-hmm. And it's not just you know a crap fest, You know at, at this particular review is to say no there is a little bit of a disparity between where you think you're you know, you are basically working hard in just the parts that you like and just the parts that, you know, you are most familiar with. But your job description has so many other parts that you are responsible for. And that's why we have a high rate of pay is because for us, we have an expectation of performance. When you took this job, you said, absolutely, I can do all of these pieces in my job description. No problem. You're sort of not. But guess what? That is also only half of the job (laughs) because the other, (laughs) half is this. So if you're doing nothing culturally and you're doing half of your job description, how hard of a worker are you actually? You're doing a quarter of the job, right? So that's where you know we've kind of have this understanding that you know uh, with with core values you know you could obviously put some of the blame back onto administration you know and say Mm -hmm. well you never taught core values and you never told me what that expectation was and you never had this it's like all right well we have one person uh, Annie who's our senior accountability officer like the whole first 32 hours of your employment was doing nothing other than going through our employee reference text and onboarding you with our computer system and showing you those job responsibilities and then you had a three month yeah. introductory period mm-hmm. this whole first three months was learning the job learning the culture learning all of those parts like what part of this wasn't you being taught what the job is yeah um, and that's where when we start talking about living and breathing core values it's everything is built around these four pieces yeah And those four pieces are all built around one common purpose, which is
1: serve the patient, (laughs) serve the patient. Um, So, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and, good diving into I mean really we just pick one right yeah absolutely um, I think we hold accountability to the to, to last because that's gonna dive us into our next uh, yeah. item yeah and
0: we have but, multiple pages on accountability yes yes
1: <laughs> but uh, starting yeah. them with with give and gain trust um, this is an I, I find this one very uh, interesting because uh, uh, for for multiple reasons is that within our clinic and I think within the industry um, gen, uh, as a whole, we have a, uh, a, a, a an understanding um, between individuals, like because we're highly altruistic, is that um, basically we want to trust people because we want to help people, and, and in the, in our case also, you know, we we trust people because um, the, because of the patients that they bring in, uh, because ultimately want to we want to help those patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to go along with that, you know, we've we've got that side which is a positive, but on on the 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 culture of our of our 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 general nation, uh, less and less trusting every single day. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't really exist a whole lot anymore. Um, at least like a general rule of. I take your word for it. Sure. I guess is probably the best best way to put yeah. that. So we so we have conflicting things that are that are within there, and uh, when untrained within those pieces, um, we get people that don't know how to trust, yep. but they want to. So when we say give trust, uh, that's the altruistic side, but gaining trust is is kind of learning how to put yourself in a situation. Uh, to have coworkers, workers uh, managers caregivers patients yep. all trust you right, right. Uh, and, and so so these these conflicting ideas provide us the opportunity to Create a big difference in an individual's life that comes to work here because you're providing a skill set within something that's pretty dang difficult. Yeah. Um, but it also allows them to, to to set the stage for defining their purpose mm-hmm. in in life. So in some cases, mm-hmm. uh, that that um, when you have trust on both of these sides and it's effective, all of a sudden, like your worries kind of go out the window. Yeah. Yeah. So when you had re- originally written uh, trust into these core values, I guess, what were you kind of looking for? Because if I'm a clinic owner or a manager that's looking to implement this, why do I want to do it?
0: Yeah. I, you know, I think when you start to give and gain trust, it is you know, exactly like you said, there are kind of those two pieces where you'll have these individuals that they are very trusting. Mm -hmm. And I think what ultimately ends up happening is that when you have a very, very strong or a very quick to trust individual, they can be manipulated. Yes. You know, and very easily. easily. And Mm -hmm. I think when, you know, when we, when we kind of get into our accountability section, This will come a little bit later. um, Is we'll start to talk about this um, drama dynamic or this drama triangle. Is that when you have a very trusting person, just openly trusting, Mm -hmm. um, is that, and we start, is is that they're really kind of easy to jump into, well, what this person is telling me must be true. What this person is telling me um, must be occurring. And that's where you start to play off of this victim relationship, this sort of victim rescuer role. Mm -hmm. And when you kind of start to hear, like, you know, we kind of jokingly call it the clucking of the hen house you know, is when you start to kind of have like blah, 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 and yep, 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 and oh, 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 uh you know, is that you'll start to have this sort of like, you know, in, in a give trust type situation, it's not giving 100% of your trust on everything that you hear. Giving trust to me is it's important to say, well, no, we're trusting for the right reasons. Yeah. And we're trusting for the right reasons because it also plays into our other core values. And it's also playing into how we serve the patient. So giving trust is a very, very dynamic, like you said, it's a taught thing. It's a very, very dynamic thing to institute a process by which we can give trust to one another in an open environment. Mm-hmm. Like you said, when you kind of give and gain trust, sort of these worries fall away. Yeah. Well, part of it is, is that you're trusting in people in the right reasons, and you're trusting in them not because you necessarily like them. You're trusting in them because their job performance is high. Their cultural alignment is high. Mm-hmm. You trust them in their medical decision making, because judgment, of course, at least as a part of trust, is yeah. that if you have trust, you must also ex- um, execute good judgment in how to trust. Right. Um, but you know, part of that is then saying, well, when you start to sort of have this breakdown in giving trust, it then starts to affect the gaining trust. So if you have an individual who is quick to give trust, there's going to be other people who are maybe more reserved in how they give trust to others. Mm-hmm. They will be less trusting of someone who gives trust freely because it's like, well, all she does is just she just believes everything she hears. So I'm you know I'm not going to engage someone like that. Or yeah. you know you will often find someone who just gives trust openly. Um, they play a lot into um, you know kind of. A dramatic type work environment. So you're going to be less engaged with that person if you have reserved trust. Yeah. Um, you know, so the gain trust component, though, um, like I said, to look at trust, to gain that sort of trust, I, I think is um, maybe a little bit more mechanical. Yeah. And saying, I know how to do my job well. when I am met with conflict, I know what to do, you know, so when, you know, when I start to see others engaging in conflict, I know what to do, you know, so I would say that, you know, the giving of trust can have a bit more of like a gray dynamic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sort of gaining of trust, I feel like, can be a little bit more objective, but you have to be very like structured in mind. Yeah. You know, if, if you as a whole have a tendency to be highly empathetic, um, you know, in, in that world where, you know, you can see everyone's perspective and you can see everyone's, um, you know, sort of their own personal position, you're going to have a much more difficult time giving and gaining trust only because it all seems. Seems like it's all true right you know um right. and um you know I, I i i had read this actually a billboard um <laughs> but it had said uh um all of our thoughts are real but that doesn't make them true you know, Um, and I was like, that's actually highly accurate, It is, you know, is, 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 um, you know, and that's how we kind of start to look at this trust thing. And, um, you know, giving and gaining trust, I feel like what's in the middle of that is trusting yourself, and you trust yourself, you can trust in others. Um, But I would say that just in, you know, those kind of few examples, when you're talking about an office administrator, a veterinarian, or an owner looking to hire, so on and so forth, that's why trust is so important, is because it plays so many other ties into the culture, of the practice on, if I go to this person, can I trust that they're going to get their job done. Mm -hmm. If people come to me, can they trust that I'm going to get my job done? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's sort of how you start to play the give and gain off of each other.
1: Yeah. And the other uh, part too, just to touch on the, the gain trust side that I'm a very firm believer in and kind of our whole... Uh, you know I'll, I'll, i'm sure we'll we'll get to it here um as we talk about all of these items is our our culture is is built with all of these parts leading up to core values and ultimately that's what we're trying to fulfill but the, the but the base of this is is rooted in in forgiveness and humility yeah. right so first to gain trust to me the uh when when you say there's a mechanical perspective to it there is humility which requires vulnerability Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be humble enough to say when I don't believe I can do something. Yes, um, and to me, when like fulfilling your job requirements to their fullest extent does uh, help gain trust absolutely yeah. yep. but there's also the other side of saying when i can't do it or 100%. when i have like even if i'm just afraid of it yeah. um like or, or asking for help yep. because as, as soon as you put it out there saying that you that you require assistance in some way all of a sudden everybody else around the team so long as uh you have this given gain relationship yep it's going to say that's really cool Yep like thank you yeah thank you uh, for telling us you don't know how to do that before you screw it up yes because it because if you don't have the humility if you hide the problem or if you if you start to generate excuses and we're gonna get to the ladder of accountability here later Mm -hmm. uh, you you start to blame others for these problems that crushes trust yeah if you're gonna blame me for a problem that you didn't tell me you had a pro that you didn't think you could do but you didn't tell anyone right like you didn't have have the humility to say it and then you're gonna blame me for it mm-hmm. I will probably never trust you ever again yeah like you just bust me yeah. for something that could have been preventable. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. Uh, I think about, yeah, think about
0: the drug constitution we had, the reconstitution we had just right. the other day. Yeah, You know, is it was, uh, I don't know, a $300, 400 bottle medication, something like that. And it was a matter of mixing it up, making sure you mix it up appropriately, put the proper labeling on as far as expiration and so on and so forth. And that task was delegated to someone who didn't really actually know how to do it right. or thought that they did, but, Ultimately, ended up not doing it appropriately, and because it wasn't a labeled bottle, it's yeah. like, well, we don't really know when this was constituted. It was it was less than twenty four hours old. Yeah. Um, but the the point was when one of our other employees caught that this bottle wasn't labeled, she's like, oh, red flag. Don't know. don't have a date of constitution. Throw it in the bin. Yeah, you know, it's there go for it. Was there was like I don't know, there was like maybe a half of an mL used out of this bottle, and they just phew, went away four hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, so for us it was like ah, you know, well, you know, accidents do happen, uh, and that's part of us administration and saying you're exactly right. Like I think a knee jerk for us, like you just said, would be like, well, I can never trust you to ever reconstitute right. drugs ever again. Right. You know, but for me it was a three or four hundred dollar teaching moment. Yes. You know, and saying, yeah, oh, this is an opportunity where you have the ability to now learn from it hopefully not do it again in the future but then also um teach it yeah, you know, is that if I w- I would be more than willing to set four hundred dollars on fire if you now become a teacher of this particular
1: thing exactly, and yep. that's that's where the that that base of forgiveness and humility interplay with each other yep. because yes, just because somebody made like they could have a lack of humility because uh, purely out of ignorance, they sure. could literally not know yeah sure a- yeah and and there sure. that that's when you generate these teaching moments and but that's why um that's why forgiveness is also rooted in that because if you if we as administrators 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 or man whatever you want to call it within your own clinic uh don't have this this base of for the uh, um desire and ability to forgive effectively sure um you're never going to trust that person ever again because you cannot get past one mistake right you have to be willing to let that go (laughs) um so just just purely to provide yourself or to provide them the opportunity to gain trust again yep like you don't have, you might not even trust them right away. Sure. But if you educate them using yep. that experience, like, and they're receptive, yep. you give them the opportunity to gain that trust again. Right. Obviously, if they're, if they're defense defensive or like, yeah. say, like, I think that's useless, like, then. Right. That's a
0: totally different. Totally yeah. different opportunity. Yeah. That, but it's a complete loss of humility at that exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But you'd never gave them, if you never give them the opportunity to to hit the fork in the road and say yes or no. Yeah. Then you just wasted all your money on onboarding, tra- hiring, training. <laughs> like finding just, this person, you getting just burned here. way more than four hundred dollars. Yeah, way more. oh absolutely. So yeah. absolutely, do we want to have the moments where we where where we lose these materials? Nope. Nope. but. Hopeful. the cost of bringing in new staff yeah. and integrating them into the team is so astronomically yeah. more like it's like, well, let's at least give them the chance. Yep. We have to buffer our decisions within yep. this one core value. And again, yep. they are, they're all interconnected and we could probably use the same example for yep. all of these. Um, but that's a huge one. And like all you're doing is providing them the opportunity to gain trust because you want to give it. Yes. Right. Yep. It, it, it's a mutual relationship and it, if, if yeah. they decide to burn it, Yeah, that's their own damn fault. Correct.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, think about you know even from a cultural aspect, how that how basically two ways culturally that can go. Yeah. So employee constituted a bottle, um, reconstituted it correctly, just didn't label the bottle appropriately. Bottle got thrown away. Um, So then we look at it from an administrative standpoint and saying, well, on on one hand, it's like, well, let's learn from this mistake, Um, you know. But there are circumstances where you'll have where like that employee just gets fired. How dare you lose 400 of my dollars? Right. So what does that then do to the rest of the team? Mm -hmm. Holy crap. I can't make any mistakes around here. That's a short leash. (laughs) Because if I do make a mistake around here, that might actually cost me my job. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the cultural side that, and that's why, again, core values is so closely in, you know, part with um, culture is that's coming into disparagement. That's coming into that. One of those big cultural problems is now people aren't even allowed to make mistakes anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the staff. That's why they're always, you know, whenever we have these types of lost mistakes, where, yeah, something we lost a whole bottle of something. You know, no one knows where the hell it went. You know, and not not just this, but it was another circumstance yeah. where we yep. had, in, had inventory loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it was, it was a pretty substantial bottle again. Uh, you know what it was, um, but they're like, you know, Carlo, how how can you laugh these things off? You know, and it all comes back to trust. Is you yeah. know, so one we say um, employees fired, the whole culture goes out the window. But the other side is, is that if we if we overreact, not just in the fire situation, but it's like that might actually in those clinics might actually be the best thing that could happen to that employee is getting fired, which I don't agree with. But all I'm saying is that if then the alternative is you chastise them so significantly and they stay in your organization, yeah, it's going to be a terrible job, right? They're they're gonna they're gonna hate coming to work it's like oh my god i made this one mistake yeah and it's now they're and again in those organizations i would wager that they are hierarchical organizations yeah you know where it's a very much a top-down thing is you just kick that person to the bottom of the totem pole mm-hmm. and are they actually going to be
1: able to get back up right and yeah. then again like going to the problem yep. crushes their self-worth yes
0: exactly yep coming right down into the talent bubble that is a hierarchical problem crushes their self-worth yep. then how do you get them back out you know, so like you said, like you said, I, I would much rather, um, you know, burn a $400 bottle of medication if there's things that the team can take away from it. Oh, we have an employer that actually allows us to make mistakes, kind of laughs it off. Let's learn from it, not do it again. Let's mm-hmm. teach it so you know and you can teach someone who comes after you. And let's not destroy your ability to gain trust in our organization because of a decision we made administratively Right. that has nothing to do with in the workplace culture. That's what we did to
1: that employee. Right. Yeah, the other thing that you can add into that too is um, when you have the process of of management post mistake, and then the individual bucks at it, mm-hmm. then they get fired. Uh, sure, right. That is the, uh, one of the, the the common phrases that gets kicked around a whole lot is be quick to fire. Well, I think a lot of times what happens is individual like uh, people are quick to fire upon the mistake, and then it's actually a detrimental effect because of that fact, right? So to me, the, the quick to fire jumps in way more when it's like, I give you the opportunity to own it and yeah. to implement you know, create yeah. a solution, maybe not even implement it, but just yeah. say this is what I'm gonna do better next time. Yeah. Uh and again, we're jumping ahead into yeah, that accountability. More into accountability yeah. But it's but that's providing them the opportunity to to be humble and to, and to succeed in the future. If they bucket that system by yeah. I, I don't I I can't have you, you here anymore because correct. you're gonna you're now going to be uh the the rotten egg within my system. Yep. Yeah. That's when you start to stick out like a sore thumb. Yep. That's when we just say, "I'm sorry." It, it, like, unless you can abide by this very, very small rule of just behavioral management, right? Like, I, I don't have a place for you here yeah. because yeah. you, even if you do your job very, very well, you're missing the cultural side. Yes. Uh, yeah, which is so massive. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, because it, because it. It has the potential to impact uh, all of your other staff's job description, not yep. just culturally, but just their actual mm-hmm. list of uh, you know yeah. operational duties so much because it's yeah. an attitude thing at yeah. that point. It is,
0: and it's like you said though it's 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 off it's the attitude issue within humility and forgiveness. Yeah, is that it's not just we're firing you. like You said because of the bottle. It's that no. there is this innate process in how as like a group or you know a set of workers or you know any any of the other types of things that you is that just enable to function together as humans like you can strengthen those bonds considerably by having humility and giving forgiveness um, but like we kind of said within that trust where you know either people are giving it too freely or they don't really know how to do it I I don't think you would disagree. Almost no one knows how to be like humble or you know have humility, Um, and then they don't know how to forgive. It's like I'm going to say I forgive you, but I'm going to be really upset about this for a
1: long time, right? Which is not forgiveness. (laughs) That's not forgiveness. Uh, No. So no, absolutely. We're again as we become less trusting, we uh, I think there's a general uh, sense, and and there are obviously some some I I, 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 can't think of the word exceptions to the rule excuse me uh that generally speaking we are becoming less humble we are becoming less trusting and and i don't like it and and i you know that going back to the the vision of paw right like force of change force of change this is how you start that force of change is is, is through trust through humility and through forgiveness uh the other the other thing that i'd like to touch on within within trust because that's within the team uh, but who's the other part of the team? It's our caregivers. Yep. Um, so the, uh, we, uh, Brianna, our, one of our, our mentees, mentees yeah. posted a thing that was just a, just a simple picture from a whiteboard from some random it clinic. Was, yeah, I think it was like a veterinary site. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was basically like uh, the individual that r- wrote the post uh, said, I've come to love animals and not like people.
0: Yeah, but essentially right yeah um, yeah we're here we do it for the love of animals we don't do it for the people and, and, I'm, yeah. and
1: the, the, the the final piece was like i'm grateful i'm not in human medicine yes right yeah. um and and to me uh, just looking at the function of a clinic and pa- uh, serving the patient it's like man you are doing a huge disservice to that patient if you cannot find the trust yep. in that caregiver because trust in a caregiver honestly, I, I would, I would say falls on, uh, falls on the staff. You have to educate them enough that you can now trust them. You have to drive these yep. points home that they get it. And when the, cause you know, the majority of patients walk out the front door, yep. um, how well of a job did you do to, uh, to generate enough trust in that person yep. so that when they leave, it's like, yep, That's gonna go well. Yep. So, uh, but you have to. There has to be an innate desire to give trust to that person so that they can again gain it and enforce that that process. So, um, as as a veterinarian, I guess my question would be because you know I fall much more on the caregiver side of things. How do you do that? To yeah,
0: gain trust with the caregiver. With the
1: caregiver, yeah,
0: yeah. Honestly, I think. Um, It's kind of like we talked, um, you know, before was, you know, a big part of it is figuring out how this person bond spectrum aligns. That's the first part. Because if you have someone that bond uh, that their alignment has maybe a potential lower um, attachment uh, to their patient or I guess technically a higher attachment to their patient in the end, they still want their patient cared for. Yes. Um, however, the trust component is, if I have someone who is bond spectrum aligning low, and I put together a treatment plan and a treatment protocol that is for someone who bond spectrum alignment high, your low person is not going to enact it. One, they may just simply not agree with it. Now, I'm not gonna care for a patient that particular way. They may not actually understand it, Mm -hmm. You know, where it's like, well, why are we doing all of these things? And it's like, I'm gonna put a half hour into helping you, I'm going to explain and help you understand why we're going to be putting a treatment regimen together like this. Mm -hmm. But part of that trust and sort of giving and gaining is really trying to figure out where they are coming from And I'm not saying that you are holding back on informed consent. It is very much your job to understand how this individual bond spectrum aligns. But then as a veterinarian, of course, to protect yourself legally is to talk about informed consent. Here are all of our options that are available to you and your patient. What can we and what can't we do? Mm -hmm. What can we do emotionally? What can we do physically? What can we do financially? Um, And that's then I think when you start to gain that trust. Is I've had, um, you know, of course, the majority of my experience has been in after-hours medicine, right? So when I have someone come through, one of the one of the first pieces is, you know, when we start to, you know, I go through my clinical history, which may take anywhere from twenty to thirty minutes. Um, You know, we start to talk about um, plans and form consent. We start talking about diagnostic and therapeutic options. is usually as I start to talk about one test, two test, three test, four test, everything that comes out of my mouth is almost exclusively scripted. I've said it for thirteen right. years. I, it's no thought of me saying it. But what I do is I look at them and I'm like, all right, what are the facial features they're doing? Yep. You, you should look uh, for anyone who who hasn't or is aware of it, is the is the um, uh, the micro movements uh, yeah. of your face. You know, so yeah. it's, you know people who are really good at reading liars. You're really good at those micro movements. Um, is that's what I do. Is I actually look at people and I'm like, how do they actually respond when I'm talking this way and The easy ones are like this, when you're like, oh, I think we need to do blood work, ugh. Okay, that's an easy one. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's an easy one. Yeah, you know. So anyway, so getting back to how do we gain that trust? Um, is that you know I say oh this and this and this and this and I'm like okay they're getting more uncomfortable and I say listen, um, one of the things that as an organization that we've been working on, I know this is this may be your first experience with us here, um, but my my business my business objective or my business model is to have no change in price from 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. and I want those costs to be comparable to what you're going to find at an area veterinarian. I said we don't play this game where we have this upcharge just because it's after hours and that's part of the reason why we don't have emergency on our sign is we're a 24-hour animal care center 2 a.m. 2 p.m. there should not be a change in price from 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. right Um, and it be very cost comparable for the area I say that to people gained it they're like Oh, yeah. he's. We are here to focus on how to serve the patient. Yep. And I tell him, I said, you know, there is an expense to keeping the lights on. There is an expense to having the medications here. I said, so mm-hmm. we have a huge range at which we can do. I said, really, my goal is to work with you on this to see what we can do for your patient. Yep. Done. There's another one. Yep. So to talk about that gain is, you know, so uh, give and gain trust. You know, as a part of it is. We're trying to gain their trust. We're also trying to give you know, trust to them that they're going to be able to enact uh, certain parts of this treatment method. But that's where it then comes back to how we've established these problems within our industry, or at least we've, we've identified these problems within the industry, You know, to say this lack of service infrastructure, are services available and affordable? You know, do we have you know, sort of our culture spectrum alignment appropriately? Yep. Um, and then it comes into how we translate that over to the caregivers is I'm, I'm vocal about it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need these people to try to guess any of this stuff. It's like, just give it to them. Just yeah. put the information out there. It may stick. Some people will be like, why are you telling me this? I don't care. Yeah, go ahead and go do it. Oh, yep. well, well, perfect. You know, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, for when we start talking about the vast majority of um, caregivers is, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially if it's an environment where they have never been before, um, it's you have a very short window in which you can both give and gain trust. Yes. Um, and that's then when you would be, I mean, I think we all are aware of this when the doctor leaves the room and the tech comes in or the client goes out to the lobby and talks to the caregiver. Support guide. This is then how that branches out into trust within the team. Yep. Is you know like one of the examples we had when we were going through, um, uh, you know, sort of the center sections about the one gentleman, you know, where it was like you know someone told me it was gonna be six hundred dollars to walk through the door. Not anyone from my team, right. because I have the trust in the people I work with that no one would say that. Right. And you know, so then for me, it's like, oh no, I swear. You know, I'm like, okay, well, here's the person who we were talking on the phone. I'm gonna go talk to this person because this has a direct bearing on their job performance. Yeah. If they are telling people this by phone, you specifically, uh, you know, th- that that's a that's a huge problem for us. And I'm right. gonna go talk to this person. Oh well, I mean, no, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm not that sure yeah, about not, it. Yeah, I guess I'm not. Yeah, I guess I have to second guess myself. But I don't. Is that because of the trust that I have in my staff? I'm not saying that I, I openly give trust to everyone in the staff because I am again very uh, reserved in sort of that trust allocation. Yeah. Um, but I'm also very aware of, oh, that person over there who maybe hasn't gained as much trust within the staff. They are really in their first few months. Like, mm-hmm. I maybe don't trust them as much. However, I'm going to ask them about it. What, what do you think about this situation? What do you think about this? What do you think mm-hmm. about that? And start to say, "This is the circumstance we had. Do you think you had anything to do with that?" You know, so it's 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 okay to have this, um, you know, uh, constant loop. Well, on trust. you're just
1: generating learning opportunities. Absolutely. And the same thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so it, it's uh, tr- trust is an is an interesting is an interesting one for uh, obviously for for a number of of reasons. Um, but you know, as 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 individuals are looking at our as our, at our, our 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 industry overview here, uh, they'll notice that there is arrows that yes. go to the next one. Yes. So we've got we've got the idea of on team trust. And uh, caregiver trust, which yep. is kind of you know that's that's our two big ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no reason for me to not trust a patient <laughs> I was, right. most of the time, yeah, like, our, right. but that's a skill. There's a communication. Uh, there barrier, is a communication uh, there yeah, between that, us and patients. I mean, you know, what, whatever it might be, we do what we can to trust our patients. Uh, yes. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, yeah. But as we as we follow the the arrow, we we get in into respect and, and respecting each other, as in the team, yeah. and respecting caregivers who is the other half of our care team Um, and and really those two are so horribly connected absolutely um, because you know a lot of times what I think a lot of people would would say is like yeah I'll give trust but you have to earn respect Yeah, sure right sure (laughs) Um, (laughs) which honestly I get it I understand where that phenomenon comes from but from, from my perspective, it's like, if I wait and, and this goes with trust too, it's like, if I wait for you to give me the opportunity, yeah. uh, to trust you or to respect you and you're doing the same to me, we're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. It goes to the same. And I believe we had talked about it in, in service where it's like, it's no one's fault. Yeah. Right. And, and this, this is directly related to that same idea where it's like, all we really need to do is just understand that if if we have a lack of respect or we have a lack of trust, it's probably no one's fault. We just haven't made the move on it, so just be the first mover. Just get the ball rolling. Yeah. And then if they stop the ball and say, nope, we're gonna come back here, bye. Yeah. Like that's the exit strategy at that right, point. Right. So when we talk about respect and we talk about respecting each other, um, a lot of times we are not waiting. As, as a as an as a as a group within yeah. our team it's like nope you're here I'm going to provide you the utmost respect even if I have no idea who you are and you yeah. have not earned it uh, in, in in the in the traditional sense of not earning it however if you decide you want to take it away like we're gonna talk about it yeah right yeah so uh, from a from an administrator's perspective uh, in, in owning a clinic, uh, what are what are your thoughts within within the team and and providing that level of respect for your entire staff? Yeah, let's. I mean, let's honestly just take that hard
0: segue from trust into respect. Yeah. How how do people actually get into our organization? And again, we're going to touch on the tri and onboarding and performance mm-hmm. process. That's going to come at a later time. But to make that move from trust into respect, like you have to earn my respect, right? So, uh-huh. like you said, who's going to make the first move? Our hiring process is, is I would consider, it very pure between mm-hmm. scouting to interviewing to working interviews to now we're talking about actually, you know, the tricore assessment, of course, is part of it. But to go through the onboarding process um, is that we as administration are basically vetting out all the people who are not going to align well within our organization. Yeah. So to make that hard jump from trust into respect is actually now the employee's respect. I'm sorry, the employee's trust administration yeah we did our job appropriately to put this someone in the team who is actually going to fit into this team very well mm-hmm. respect them we R- yeah. respect them enough yep. for them to have a job in our organization now again like you said there's going to be opportunity when you know even in, like we were just talking in the trust category where it's like they have the opportunity to be you know humbler or, or you know have humility and pro- pro- provide f- uh, you know forgiveness and they don't do that okay yeah. well now we're starting to shift sort of the trust component but to say to earn our respect No, they're here. We we are not an organization that you put an application, you get hired because we need help. Right, right. It's just like anyone. I don't care who you are. Come on here, Paul Health will hire you because they're hiring. Uh No, we are actually very very selective. Yeah, so when we start to talk about respect is it's we all pretty much start on, on this on this level playing field but part of it is then coming back into what is the issue with talent and self-worth we're talking about hierarchy again to say well you need to earn my respect and it's like you know i've been here longer and you're just coming into the team you need to earn that respect and it's like well you know what if by chance the person coming into the job has now has twice as much work experience as the person you've got to earn my respect maybe they're in the profession five years and this new hire is a ten year. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, well, now we got, you know, the veteran coming in here. They got to earn my respect because they're coming in with all the fancy skills, you know. So that's what we start, you know, even, even then a new veterinarian coming into the team, a new technician coming into the team, or a veterinary clinic who has no certified, licensed or registered technicians. They only have unlicensed technical staff. And then you get that new veterinary technician coming out of school, degree carrying, certification carrying. They're coming into a practice where now they have all the certification. It's like, you need to earn my respect you know it's not just like oh my god this person deserves respect in some capacity because right. they just put a ton of work and effort into gaining that degree mm-hmm. now we're talking about no the people now coming in and so that's why like making that hard move from trust to respect the hiring process is not as pure in a, in a vast majority of clinics, it's like we just need help. You're hired
1: overall. Overall, I mean, really, because I believe uh, at Wisconsin is less than three percent unemployment across it's, the it's, nation. It's less. It's like four percent. Yeah. There's a lot of body hiring. Yes. that's going yes. on across yes. the across the nation. Yes. Yes. Uh, that is creating that a, effect well and that's even even around here all the businesses I mean they
0: they're half staffed yeah you know of course <laughs> there's very little unemployment because it's like oh my god we need more people mm-hmm. you know so yeah exactly that so like you said I I think coming back to your original question of you know sort of what you know administratively is sort of important about this respect dynamic yep um, is it's it, a part of it is actually leveling the playing field and sort of leveling this hierarchy on who has more tenure who doesn't because again for us to come back to this sort of trust part and to saying, well, a lot of, a lot of in trust is saying, um, you know, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Meaning I I am, and I am not comfortable with this. I I don't really know how to do that. Respect is, um, someone is now saying, you know, from a trust perspective, I don't know how to do this and I'm going hopefully to gain trust because I'm going to be taught how to do it. I'm going to learn how to do it. Respect is like, yep. I, (laughs) I respect you enough as a person to teach it to you, yeah, you know, and yep. I'm going to respect you enough as a person, I might have to teach you three times mm-hmm. because eventually it's going to click, Yeah, you know, I mean, when I have a consultation with a caregiver, cause that's another part of it is respect caregivers yep. is when I have a consultation with a caregiver, I mean, I, I have gotten better, uh, in uh, my tenure, uh, that I don't heavily load people with information. I mean, when I go into a consultation, I really, you know, again, part of it's reading them. Part of it is, you know, where sort of their education level, their 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 cognitive ability, and it's like, all right, these people. Oh, you're an RN. Like I say to people, I have, when I have nurses come in and they're like, well, you know, I'm, I, you know, well, I am a nurse. I'm like, thank you for telling me. Yeah. I'm like, honest to God, thank you for telling me that you're a nurse, or that I'm a doctor thank God, okay, now listen, there's a lot of stuff on the human and veterinary side that really have a ton of overlap, and I always kind of make the joke, I said, don't forget, most drugs are tested on hu- on animals before they go to the human side, so we have the drugs first, you know, so they kind of laugh about that, um, you know, but, you know, so part of it is in respecting the caregivers, you know, is... You know, if I say to that, and that's why I say thank you for telling me that you're a nurse. I said I know that you have a higher level of medical education than a lot of the people who come through here. Yeah. Um, stop me when you don't understand something, but I'm just going to start talking. And I'm going to give it to you straight, um, and I don't have a problem describing it. You know, so that's like the first one. Respect caregivers. Why are we battling people from the human side? You know, why is it that we assume? Well, you know, I have the well. It's, well, again, coming back to sort of the hierarchy and and uh, disparagement is I have the information and I'm to be the one that gives it to you it's like no how much do you know right uh, yeah how, right. how much do you know because because i don't i want to i'm going to do a little less work in this consult right. because you understand well and what
1: did doctor what did dr google say right like oh yeah how much, how much was he right how much was he wrong Correct. like let's just figure out where we are yeah. let's let's play on the same field here and figure out what we're going to do to serve the patient yes but yeah. ultimately like yeah. we we had talked about it in our all staff meeting all you're really saying is like yep. the the caregiver deserves in the, the respect enough to say to uh, for us to understand that we're all on the same team Absolutely no, and thank you for bringing that because that's point two. Yeah. Is the first one is you know how much medical background does this
0: person have? The second one is I'll have people who come in, and this is this is all respect. Yeah, they come into me and they're like they're like oh, you know I researched this on the internet. I know I'm really not supposed to do that. I'm like why? Yeah, I'm like why? Yeah. I'm like I love when people come in who have searched things on the internet. I said because here's the reality. The reality is you are an engaged caregiver mm-hmm. who wants to learn on what they can do for their patient. They don't have any other access to information other than the internet, yeah. because when they go into a veterinarian, this comes into then respect number three, is if they start asking a ton of questions, they're, uh, they are then disparaged because to answer questions is annoying. Why don't you know this? Right. You know. So on one hand, we're fighting the medical community. We're fighting the self-education community. And then to come into the third part of respect, and as far as saying, um, you know, for, for us to then to the respect caregivers, when I go through my whole consultation with people, now we're talking pre-diagnostic consultation, mm-hmm. post-diagnostic consultation consultation. consultation, pre-treatment consultation, post-treatment consultation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So probably didn't get that specific, but all of those are opportunities for questions. And I'll tell people, you know, I'll just let all this information out to them. And then I kind of look at them and say, what sort of questions do you have for me? And they're like, there's two answers. (laughs) One is we don't know. Or two is we're surprised we don't have any. Oh, you yeah. know, because the second one is I've done my job to create this whole circle on saying, here's what you came in with. Here's what I found on physical. Here's what I found on diagnostic. And here's one, two, three different options for you based on these diagnostics. And then if this does or does not succeed, here's where we can go. Yeah. So sometimes all people would be like, no, that was amazing. I'm like, yeah, I know. I've been talking about vomiting for 13, 14 <laughs> years. Like, you can only ask so many questions about puking and right. so many solutions to diarrhea. That's just sort of what it is. Um, but again, you know, in, in coming into, into that, I always ask end it was saying, now, listen, I said, I know this was a lot of information for you guys right now. I said, but everything I just said, I can probably say back to you with incredible detail and is almost accurate. As I said, at the first time I said, I don't care about that. I am more invested in you understanding what's happening right now. Right. So for me, it's, I don't fight the medical community. I don't fight the self-educators. I don't fight people who have multiple questions because ultimately in the end, our job is to Serve the patient. Right. And then we've recently added educate the caregiver. Right. You know, I mean, that's a big part of it. Right. So, you know, in that regard to then say we're respecting the staff we're respecting each other, we're respecting caregivers, um, is we start to reduce conflict. We start to reduce opportunity to when we're going to get annoyed. And for me, then this is all stemming off of, you know, sort of you saying the the post from Brianna on saying, I'm so glad I'm not in human medicine. I'm so glad I don't have to work with people. It's like we're in a service industry. Yep, You are working with people. You're working with people in the workplace. Mm -hmm. You're working with people on the other side of the door and the caregiver side. This is all part of who it is and what we are and what we're doing. And we have to all be respectful of one another. And if you work within an organization that has a toppled totem pole, all employees are going to respect each other. And if we start to include caregivers into our medical team, because that's how they got their name, they are included in our medical team. Now we're starting to build this group where our all and sole purpose of that team is to care for the patient, right. is to serve the patient. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, again, for us, even on that self-education side, I kind of cruised over it, was that that whole concept is where we drove our caregiver resources. Yes. You yep. know, caregiver resources, um, you guys can go onto our website. Um, there's a whole section on caregiver resources. I think we have like, I don't know, 137 different documents of common diseases. Yep. And, you know, I, the, the thing with caregiver resources is we print those out as our own discharge instructions. You have a Patient come in with roundworms. Here's our roundworm handout. Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. We put two and a half years into consolidating and. Developing these materials, not because there wasn't other things out there, but I kind of make a joke. If you can't say it in a page, it's not worth saying,
1: right? And no no one's going to read it either. No one's going to
0: read it. Here, let me let me print off this thing from this one website on heart disease that's five pages long. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No, Um, and we didn't like cheat the system where it's like size seven font and we squeezed it all onto. (laughs) It's all size ten. Yeah, it's all yeah right. That's technically true. Yeah, because (laughs) twelve is who reads twelve? But anyway, uh, anyway. children, children, (laughs) yeah, and grandmas, (laughs) right? Um, But again, so. So it, so it all sort of comes back to this kind of co-mingled respect, right. um, you know? Right. And I think that's why, like I said, this hard move from trust into respect, um, that's that's ultimately the big picture, is how can we sort of weaponize our caregivers to have the information they need to help serve the patient? How can we sort of flatline out this hierarchy so that all of our staff respects each other equally so that we can then support the caregivers who are then going to help serve the patient? Right.
1: Yeah. The way that I've uh, worded it uh, for a very long time, and actually it's with a marketing conversation uh, when, sure. when our marketing uh, individual had come over about a year ago almost exactly is that uh, one of the one of the key uh, differentiators with paw that we noticed in that conversation was we want to produce uh, uh, ready, able and armed caregivers. Yep, um, caregiver resources are a great way to do that. We have a full pharmacy that's in house, lab work, all that sort of stuff, and and with all of that, um, that's that's a, that's pretty much what you're getting at. Is you're now creating somebody that's a part of your care team, exactly. Um, and and, and for the individuals that are that are listening, that might like, I understand. I can I can at least empathize. I'm not going to sympathize, but I understand when it does feel like there are difficult caregivers in the world because yeah. it's going to happen, yeah, right? It happens, and 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 really, the, the first step is just be bigger than it yeah. um, that's that first mover advantage yeah. of just get the ball rolling and yep. ultimately you know where that patient is headed yep. they're going out the front door with yep. this individual respect them as best as you can yep. uh, but the second thing too especially from an owner's perspective is uh, when we get into the the tricor assessment uh, we'll talk a lot about motivators sure is just understand where your motivator is going to come from to fuel that respect yeah so if you're highly aesthetically motivated which will again we're going to dive into but that you're highly aesthetically Motivated, you're you're uh, very conflict averse. So the more that you respect this person, the more that you just give and give and give to them, and and provide uh, as much education as you can. You're limiting the opportunity for conflict with that person.
0: Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. So we've
1: got that. Yeah. A lot of the individuals that are, that are in our industry are highly aesthetically motivated. So a lot of, I am guessing a lot of people listening are going to be like, yeah, like if I can avoid conflict as much as I can, yeah. like, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, but then moving to one that typically is, uh, like the mirror image is economically. So not necessarily always money, but return on investment. So the, uh, that one for me personally is the one that I fight the most is with different caregivers because a lot of times like my gut says this person's not gonna get it as the (laughs) flies right in my face Um, and and like I don't there's a there's like my gut says I don't want to put the time into this person because it's not going to be worth it. Yeah,
0: yeah. So and that, that's the big thing with the economic motivator. People need to understand is it. it's not money motivation. No. It's, if I'm going to put something into it, it's I return
1: need, on investment. Return on investment. So I'm yep. highly, highly economically motivated because yeah, so even I love energy return. in is an yes. investment. Yes. So with all of that, um, you can really just shift it and say if I don't give this the likelihood of me getting any return on investment, almost none. none. Yeah. Uh, So it's just, just, just shift whatever the mindset has to be to motivate yourself to go do it every single time. Yeah. And what it's going to do over time is number one, your caregivers are going to be on the same page more often than not because yeah. you're just putting it out there. Absolutely. Um, but it's also going to provide you uh, a level of fulfillment and start to uh, get rid of this loss of self-worth because you're doing your job yep. in a way that is fulfilling to you. Yes, yes. Um, yep. So yep. again, you're you're kind of, you're kind of, uh, it, it, you're You're fighting a lot of different things at once by purely just aligning trust and respect with how you're individually motivated and understanding who the care team is. Because again, we're all here to serve the patient. Take those three variables, align them with serving the patient, and boom. You kind of just beat failed bond spectrum, at least to a to a point. Uh, no, almost entirely. Almost entirely. Yep. And now, because you're doing that, you're also defeating this loss of self worth. Yes. You're at least headed in the right direction. Yep. It's not that that's the end all be all solution, but we just talked about two things yep. that are all right. Now you're running out of this hurricane. Now you're mm-hmm. getting out of the eye of this storm, and and yeah, it it can be tough. Um, I would say that giving giving trust in n- not blindly right. but just yep. making the first move is difficult and, and especially with trust and respect and but without those and and we're gonna get this get to the next two um, in our next episode yep it's almost impossible to have a unified team if you don't have those two, including caregivers, again, because they're a part of our care team. Absolutely. And the other thing at the end of all of this is if I don't have a unified team, if I didn't really respect the caregiver enough to educate them, if I don't really trust anybody that's here, accountability is never anything that's going to be effective. All it's going to do is just crush your team. Every time Mm -hmm. you're going to, you're going to poorly fire fast or just what, or your performance reviews are going to be useless. Ultimately, we're gonna get to the last one, and if you don't have the first three, and that's why they're all interconnected—is yep. they all work together. You lose one, you lose them all. Absolutely. Um, so just yep. and I,
0: strategically, that's why respect is at the bottom of that, and yeah. accountability is at the top—is like the foundation of this whole this whole uh, sort of core value is respect. Yeah. Because there's like you said, there's no way you can sort of get to the other parts. The other parts are equally as weighted. I mean, mm-hmm. I would say accountability is like really what you're trying to go for—is just having Absolute accountability at all times, yeah. but because it you know feeds into those other things, that's what sort of sends sends your loop. I mean, you know, it, it it's basically sends the hurricane in the other direction. Exactly, you know?
1: exactly. Yep. Um. So so yeah, that'll be that'll be all for for this week. Again, yep. hitting trust, hitting respect. Next week, we're going to cover the other two in, in yep. unity and accountability. Yep. Um. And then how all of these four items really fit together in a direct uh, attack against yep. the problems that we are seeing yep. as an industry. So, uh, stay tuned. Come on back next week, uh, and we'll cover a unity, accountability, uh, and and finish off the idea of how core values can really make a big difference in your in your practice. Absolutely. See you guys next week.